Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles again back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, where we just read. But in regard to this special day, I really want to focus in just on that last verse, on verse 18, 2 Corinthians 3:18. And once more, let me wish all of our mothers here this morning a happy Mother's Day. Um, together with Father's Day, uh, these are two holidays, I suppose, along with Easter and Christmas, that typically motivate me to deviate from whatever book of the Bible we're going through exegetically on Sunday, um, because Mother's Day and Father's Day are extremely important holidays for the Christian. Long before God created this wonderful thing that we have right here, this family, the family of God, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ, the community of faith, God also, long before that, he created, he instituted the family, and it's Christian families that are the building blocks of uh, the primary components of the Christian church. And so there's something, there's something that's worth celebrating and directing our thoughts toward this morning. Now, there's nothing that is specifically addressed to mothers here in verse 18. Um, you won't find the word mom uh, or mother there. Uh, it applies to all believers, but because it does, it definitely uh, applies to the Christian mother who's in a Christian family. And I suppose God led me to this passage, uh, honestly, it was months ago in planning out year, the year. Um, I, was, I was led here because I was, I'm reminded in this verse of my own Christian mother. Um, it's God's design, it's God's desire that Christian mothers be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Before we see what God says that looks like. And how that happens, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this passage that we read earlier, and it's a great description of, of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. And um, even for your, your ethnic national people, the Jews, um, who, who are blinded by the Old Testament and confused about who it was pointing to, um, but, but in the gospel, you take away that veil. Uh, when, when we turn to the Lord, it says you do that. And because that we're able to see your glory, especially your glory that is in Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for your word, God. Uh, whether we're singing in every way that we worship here, uh, we're directed to, to your word. It is what changes lives. It is what transforms lives. God, I pray that we would have a passion for your word. We would see how it is there that we see the glory of Jesus on display. And because of that, we would have this intense desire to be in your word often, God. And not just reading it or knowing it, but believing it and living by it and applying it to our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We need to start at the beginning, but the beginning is actually kind of at the end of verse 18 here. Um, let me just reread the whole verse. Verse 18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are all changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
And so what this last phrase, which really is the beginning here, what it is pointing to is the Christian mother's activation. This is how a Christian mother comes into being. There's no other way. Uh, becoming a Christian mother is not something that you can accomplish on your own. It's not some set of standards that you could read about and then in your own effort try to implement in your life so you could say, I am a Christian mother. No, a Christian mother becomes a Christian mother one way, only one way, and that is by the Spirit of the Lord, just like it says there at the end of verse 8. That would be true of any Christian, not just a mother. Uh, we come to Christ when the Holy Spirit moves in our heart for us to believe the Word of God, especially the Gospel. Uh, when the Holy Spirit moves in our heart for us to yield and receive Jesus as our personal Savior, our, our Christianese jargon for that is being born again. And a truly Christian mother will be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those in her life. But what sets her apart from any other lady who is given birth is that she is a Christian mother. And she has been born again by confessing her sins and, and placing her trust uh, and, and her need for a Savior in Jesus Christ, in the person and work of Christ, who he is and what he has done for us. And her faith is in him alone. And that beautiful life change, that's a life change. That's where it starts. That's a Christian mother's activation. It can happen when you're five or when you're 55 or when you're 105, but it only happens by the Spirit of the Lord, just as it says here. Uh, when that occurs, God's Word tells us that the Holy Spirit, He comes and indwells us. He lives inside of us. And that is what makes a Christian mother a Christian mother. Foundationally, that's the most important thing. Not only is this even as by the Spirit of the Lord, not only is that a great description of the activation of a Christian mother, of her coming to faith in Jesus Christ, it's also the only way that a mother continues in her faith in Christ. There has to be this constant, moment by moment, yielding to, being guided by the Spirit of the Lord, as it says here. He indwells the Christian mother. This is how she reflects Jesus Christ to those all around her. And that's what's described for us here in the rest of verse 18. We also see the Christian mother's contemplation. We've already talked about it. This daily dependence. This moment by moment being moved by, being motivated by the indwelling Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. God has Paul here tell us how that happens and how we can reflect Jesus. How we make him known to others all around us, in us, and through us. Verse 18 starts this way, but we all. So this is not something that's only for a Christian mother. It's not something that's only for some small group of exclusive Christians who really got their act together. No, it says, but we all. Reflecting Jesus, that's what we're all supposed to be doing. That's a capability that's available to every single person who's trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. God is inviting here in verse 18. He is inviting every person who's trusted in Christ as Savior into this special, glorious intimacy with God. Uh, he's inviting us into a relationship, but also a transforming power in our lives. Uh, and it's not just the property of a privileged few. It's available to, it's for everyone who has had their face opened, it says here, by receiving Jesus as your Savior. Tommy read it earlier, but back in verse 16, it tells us that that is how we get an open face or an unveiled face. We get it, verse 16 says, when we turn to the Lord, when we trust in Christ as Savior. 
verse 18 tells us, but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. So let's stop there for a moment. Um, the, the concept here is obviously one about reflecting, and the illustration that God selects to use here is that of a mirror. The King James says, beholding as in a glass. If you've got a more modern version, it probably says mirror. And when Paul wrote this, when God had Paul uh, write this verse and use this illustration, the mirrors at that time, not really like the mirrors we have today, not like these little ones we gave out. Um, there's, a, there's like two there. I had to figure out why there's two. There's one for, I can see a lot, and there's one. Eh, we don't need to see that close up. But um, not, they're not like this. Um, they were made of some kind of metal. <laughs> they didn't have this. They had metal, and that metal would be highly polished, but the reflection, it'd be a little clouded. It'd be a little fuzzy. It's not as sharp and as detailed as the mirrors that we use today. And God's telling us here, though, in verse 18, that we can, we can see the glory of the Lord. And he's telling us that we see it best in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done for us and what he offers us and what he demands of us as his followers we can see the glory of the Lord, but this side of heaven, um, we don't see it perfectly just yet. However, another thing about these ancient metal mirrors, what, what they did is they did something that our mirrors today do. They reflect. When light would hit that highly polished metal, uh, it would be reflected on the face of whoever was using that mirror. Why don't you consider something this morning? Does your face beam with, with sunlight? And of course, I'm talking about capital S-O-N. Does it beam with sunlight? Uh, it will if you are doing what it says here. If you are beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And you might say, Jason, well, how does that happen? What does it mean for me to behold uh, the glory of the Lord in, in this mirror so that my face does beam with sunlight? Here's your mirror, church. This is your mirror. The word of God. Um, we are made aware of the glory of God best in this. There's a lot of different ways we are. Paul talks in Romans 1 about how you can exit those doors and look at everything that God has created and you will see the glory of God. You can look around at all the people in the sanctuary and you can see the glory of God and his creation. But the best way we see it is in Jesus Christ. And the only way we know Jesus Christ is in the word of God. This is our mirror. This is a primary place that we learn of the glory of the Lord in Jesus Christ and where that glory can then reflect off of and, and through us. This mirror begins that process at some point in our lives by showing us our own reflection. And it's a rough image that we see when that happens. Uh, but I'm so thankful that God gives us a real appraisal of who we are and what needs to happen for that to change? There's been a time or two when, when Krista has asked me in the car on our way somewhere um, if I have used a mirror prior to our departure. I remember one time um, things had gotten chaotic that morning and everything had been addressed but the top of my head. And she has a term for that. She said, you look like a fuzzy duck. There was no product in it. There was no style of any kind to it. And needed some assistance. The mirror of God's word does that for us. The mirror of God's word shows us who we are apart from Christ. And it's a rough image. But even better, 
It shows us how we can be a part of Jesus Christ, how we can have him as our personal savior, how he can transform us. And it tells us here that the glory of God in Jesus, that, that is the gospel does that, how that God sent his son to live among us and to die for our sins and to rise from the grave. And the gospel tells us that whosoever will trust in Jesus for their salvation, they are immediately, immediately made a new creation. The whole process starts. That's the activation part we talked about earlier. Here we're focusing on the Christian mother's contemplation, what she needs to do in order for to have the glory of the Lord in Jesus be reflected in her life. And this mirror here, it shows us the glory of God in all of his perfections. We have a revelation of that best and who Jesus is for us. What is the testimony of the Apostle John in John 1, 14? We use this verse a lot around Christmas time, but it says this. And the word, Jesus, was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory the glory of Jesus Christ. And it says, it's the glory of the only begotten of the Father. When you see Jesus, you see who God is. It is how we relate to God. It's how we see the glory of God. Because John 1.14 says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was full of every attribute that God has and that he wants to communicate to us. Do you behold, Mom? Like it's talking about here. Do you behold, Grandma? Christian? Are, are you beholding? Are you beholding the glory of God in Jesus Christ as revealed in God's word? Because that is to be the Christian mother's contemplation. It's to be the Christian's contemplation. When God uses the word here, beholding, um, he doesn't just say glancing or looking as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. He's talking about a careful, a careful study. This is not some casual glance. If I can fit it into my schedule, God, I'll try to spend some time in your word. No, to behold it's to gaze intentionally and intensely because you believe what God says here and you know that his purpose in saving you is for you to reflect the glory of God in Jesus Christ. But you can only do that if you do what he says right here. You have to behold. Listen, you behold things all day, friend. You do, every single one of us. We behold things all day. But what are you intentionally beholding? What is it that grabs your gaze? Is it the glory of God and who Jesus is for us? Is it the glory of, of God in this beautiful mirror of his word that he's given to us? It, it must be. It, it must be for this whole reflecting thing to occur. And the primary place that we find that glory on display, and, and it's vividly on display, and the primary place where we need to contemplate the glory of God. Yes, we can see it outside. Yes, there's a zillion different ways where you can see God's glory, but the primary place is in the word of God. Now let's go to the next phrase in verse 18 where we find the result. Here's the result of the Christian mother's contemplation, and it's her transformation. When we all, it says, when we all with open face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, what happens? What does it say happens? We're changed. <laughs> We are changed. As Tommy said, we are changed into that same image. Whose image is it talking about? The image of Jesus, yeah. The image of Jesus Christ. So, so a careful, intense, purposeful gaze at the love and grace and mercy and peace and righteousness and truth, and I only name like six, of God that is who Jesus Christ is. 
a careful, intense gaze at that, as a Holy Spirit indwelt Jesus follower, you are going, you're going to see a transforming growth in love, grace, mercy, truth, peace, and righteousness in your own life. It's going to happen. That's how God's ordered it, how he's designed it. I want you to notice how passive this phrase is here. It, does, it says we are, we are changed when we obey God here. It doesn't say that we change ourselves. It says we are changed when we'll do what God says. And it only happens, this only happens as the end of verse 18 says, by the spirit of the Lord. But there is this beautiful, this miraculous transformation that takes place. As we behold the glory of God in Jesus Christ, we will be, we will be transformed. God will change our lives by changing us from the inside out through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not just better people. We didn't just reach some goal we set in January. We're not just a more moral or more upright individual. No, we become transformed people. And you know the best change, the most enduring change that can come into our lives is when we are transformed by our time spent with the Lord, beholding the glory of Jesus in Scripture. People change for all sorts of reasons. Some do it out of guilt. Some do it out of sheer willpower or coercion. But none of those methods can bring about a transformation like it's talking about here. It's never as genuine or lasting as the change that the Holy Spirit works in us when we will do what God tells us to do in this verse and do it consistently. You know, um, it's very easy to identify an individual who is a consistent beholder of Jesus in Scripture. Very easy to identify them. They think like Jesus. And they talk like Jesus. They definitely act like Jesus. They love they love just like Jesus did. Do you understand that this is God's great design in your salvation? So many times I, I hear that, and I even think that and ask that question. I'm like, why did you save me? Well, it's that we might reflect the glory of God in Jesus Christ. He wants you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That is what God wants. That is why God designed salvation to operate the way it does. That's what God tells us in Romans 8, 29. It says, for whom God did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, please don't get hung up on that word there uh, in Baptist circles. We probably feel one way or the other way anytime you hear about election or predestination. Um, I don't really care what your belief is regarding the doctrine of election and God's sovereignty or man's free will. In, in Romans 8.29, what does it say that we are predestined to? Be conformed to the image of God's son. That is his design in our salvation from eternity past. That was God's plan in saving you in this whole salvation thing, that God's Holy Spirit would activate you <laughs> and that he would give you a desire, a passion to uh, gaze intensely at the glory of Jesus in his word. And that through this, just as God promises here, through that, the Holy Spirit would transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. He would conform you into the image of Jesus. Is that happening I mean, is that process, if you, if you please do, uh, uh, every one of us should be doing a quick self-evaluation here. Is that happening? Is it happening at the pace it should be in our lives? Are we being transformed? Is the Holy Spirit conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ? And if not, if not, I would guess that it's probably because we're not doing what God has told us to do here. We're not beholding, and so we can't adequately reflect Jesus to those around us, to our family, to our friends. 
And I urge you, Jesus follower, don't deprive yourself of this transformation that brings glory to God. And, and it's so good for you. Too many professing Christians do. John Calvin wrote in his commentary on Romans 8, the gospel means this. And it's an awesome thing. The gospel means this, that the image of God, we're creating God's image, right? That's what scripture tells us. The image of God that was, that was so defaced in man by sin that it can be repaired. It can be repaired. And, and the process, it's a process. And the progress of this restoration, it's continuous. It's continuous throughout our lives because it's little by little that God uses his glory to shine forth and to be reflected in us. That's what the next phrase tells us here. That when we behold the glory of the Lord in Jesus Christ, in God's word, we're changed into that same image and it says from glory to glory. Isn't that wonderful? It's a progressive thing. I'm so glad that uh, I was saved 1978 when I was four years old. I'm so glad God didn't demand full maturity Christian. I mean, we don't demand that of our kids. It's a little by little transformation. Man, if you're like me, I know every one of us here, we want it to go faster than it needs to go. And there's a way to do that. We're told right here how that is to occur. When we behold the glory of the Lord in Jesus Christ, in God's word, we're changed into that same image, the image of Jesus Christ, from glory to glory. Our activation, what we talked about earlier, by the Spirit of the Lord, when we first come to Jesus as Savior, when we're born again, that's a singular, one-time, instantaneous event. It, it happens. You're not progressively saved as far as coming to Christ. No, but the contemplation of God's glory, our sanctification, this transformation that Jesus speaks of here, it's a continuous, progressive, lifelong thing. And I'm so glad it is. I'm glad that the God who saved me and the God that we serve and we're worshiping here this morning, I'm glad he doesn't demand perfection because I'm not capable of it and there's not a single person here who is. This side of heaven won't happen. Do you know what he wants? What he desires? Progress. God tells us in Hebrews 13, 20, and 21 that it's God who makes us complete in every good work to do his will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in this sight through Jesus Christ. Progress. Are you progressing? It says here that God's transformational work in your life, when you behold the glory of Jesus in God's word, it happens from glory to glory. It doesn't say, and it doesn't have to be. Too often it is for a Christian. It's from backsliding to glory and backsliding to glory. That's not God's intent. He would want it to be from glory to glory, little by little, more and more like Jesus, reflecting more and more of Jesus when we behold more and more of Jesus. Christian, don't settle. Please don't ever settle. I battle that in my own life. I encounter professing Christians all the time who view the great gift that God has given them in salvation, they don't view it a whole lot more than a ticket into heaven, an escape from hell. But it is more. It is. The blood of Jesus Christ bought you so much more. The design of God in your salvation, it provides you with so much more than that. It's powerful and it's transformative. 
Because God desires for those who are Christ to reflect Jesus Christ. I bet you could think right now, and I want you to do that. I bet you could think of someone like that. Someone in your life who was so different. You saw Jesus in them. Don't you want that to be who you are to those around you, to your kids, to your grandkids, to your spouse, to your family? And, and whether you're a mother or not, would you tell God this morning, yeah, yeah, I want to reflect Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I, don't want, I don't want to settle for a salvation that's only about when I'm gone. Uh, God, give me a desire. Lord, help me to change whatever needs to change in my life so that I consistently and I intentionally behold the glory of Jesus in your word every day and throughout the day. Who would say this morning, God, transform me into the image of Jesus through that beholding? I believe what you say here. I believe that will happen if I'll do what you're asking me to do here. I want my kids to see Jesus reflected in me. I want to point them to him because they have seen the real transforming work of the Holy Spirit in my life. As Tommy comes and leads us in a time to respond to God's word, would you tell God that? And I hope that as we sing this hymn, it's so much more than something to do before we head out the door I pray that every word that we sing here would be our true, honest commitment to how we feel about Jesus Christ.